welcome back to another episode of When Push Comes to Shove. Today I am uh, joined by Lisa. She is a midwife on the NHS and she is here to tell us her story and everything about what she does. So Lisa, I'll hand the floor to you. Tell us about your journey. Hello, hello. Um, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Somewhat a little bit nervous, but once I start talking, I generally don't stop when I'm talking about midwifery. It's all good. It's all good. You might have to when I teach hypnobirth and my friends who I teach it with we teach it in the NHS and she kicks me under the table when I'm talking for too long well I can't do that but I'll go like that <laughs> so yeah uh, nice to be here thanks for asking me um, and I am Lisa I am an NHS midwife um, and I've been in maternity for around just going on 15 years so my story started way back when I was, well, I left school, trained to be a chef actually, um, went did two years in college and went to be a chef. And so that's how I was working. And then I fell pregnant at 18, um, which didn't really scare me. And looking back, maybe it should have frightened me, but it didn't. I kind of just um, started reading really. And I, I felt like I, was, I, I had a big interest in pregnancy and, and birth and I just started reading and um, I read every book I could get my hands on and that, that was th almost 32 years ago when obviously we didn't have the internet or anything like that so it was just books and books that not necessarily that I bought I went to the library and I got given books and things like that and I just and I think looking back I didn't know at the time but looking back I think that was my spark for this subject interests me. I'm in the middle of it and it really interests me. I went on to ha have uh, my first baby. Then I went on to have another baby. We got married. I had another baby. Kind of, I think I lost myself a little bit in my 20s because I was bringing babies up and I was a mum, which is, was fine. I had fun doing it. I was really quite young. And by the time I had my third baby, I was 26, so still quite young. And I think I was, I'd read so much about it and looking back, I'd thought, oh, this sub subject really interests me. And I wanted a home birth and I didn't really know where that came from. I just wanted a home birth. And I probably wasn't, you, maybe I shouldn't say stereotypical, but I probably wasn't the kind of person you'd expect a, a young teenage mom who'd ended up with three kids and then wanted a home birth back in them days I'm, I'm talking like 30 years ago but anyway I did I wanted a home birth and because I'd read up about it I was like and I'm having a home birth and I got supported um, by my midwife um, and my mum had had me a home and my husband's mum had had him a home so it didn't really get like pressure from family but outside of that people would say oh you're brave aren't you having a home birth and I was like I didn't, I didn't feel brave I didn't question anybody I'd read up on it and I knew that I'd had two vaginal births before straightforward and why wouldn't I do it again and I got excited to have this baby at home basically and I had great care as well I had the same midwife all the way through so I think she was really supportive I think she 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 probably well well she didn't encourage or discourage me really she just was on board with me and that was it really Anyway, as time went on in that pregnancy, I went overdue. That's another big thing, isn't it? Like induction and stuff. So once I got to 10 days past my due date, the, the midwife said, you know, 
you need to consider yes you can still go for the home birth but I think you need to um, sorry you know they didn't 10 days um yes you don't need to be induced but well that is what they offered but you don't need to be induced but you're best not having a home birth and I went with that advice that not to go for a home birth so but I didn't want an induction and so another week went by and I still declined an induction um, I've never really shared this much publicly I think because I'm a midwife and I'd never want to influence a woman so I don't kind of say this out loud but um usually but anyway I went to two weeks past my due date and I was sent into the doctor to see a consultant review and, and that doctor was really like well okay if you don't want an induction and that's fine so have another week and this, now we'll monitor yeah, we'll do some increased monitoring um, CTGs measuring the um, and some scans measuring the fluids and whatever around the baby and all was good I think I went in three times that week till I reached week 43 and then I went in and I, I kind of I think I still wasn't pressured for an induction um, in the end I said okay you can induce me three or four days after that I said give me the weekend and I'll come in on Monday um, and to be honest with you the 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 most pressure I got was people outside saying, are you still pregnant? Is this okay? How come they're letting you do this? And um, But anyway, it didn't. I went spontaneously and I had a nice normal birth the following day. So I was actually 43 weeks plus one day. So that was a big thing, really. Um, but anyway, that that all of that knowledge and what I'd learned sparked me lit a fire in my belly that I just loved all about maternity, birth, pregnancy. Um, and so that was it. Then I started my journey into midwifery. Once the youngest was about four or five, I went and did some GCSEs, applied to uni and I got in, really. So I, I, I am I, I'm a passionate midwife. I am. I love my job. I do. And I, and I think anyone speaking to me says, yeah, you're good. You can tell you do love your job. It's my dream job. It really is. It was always a dream to be a midwife. And sometimes I think, wow, I do this amazing job and I get paid for it. So it's a bonus. Um, I don't always think that working for the NHS. I probably don't always feel like that. But I am doing a job that and I've always loved doing it. Um, my biggest passion is home birth. And, and um, probably induction of labour. And I, like, and I teach hypnobirth and I... We talk a lot about induction of labour and, it, and it's kind of taken over now, isn't it? And you, you probably, from all the research and stuff, you know, like the induction rate is mega, isn't it? So It's scary. Hmm. So, and I'm quite passionate about that, but I can't really tell that story when I'm telling a woman, you know, explaining to all that to a woman. I don't kind of say, well, what I did is, because that's not what it's about, is it? Um, but I believe in choice and I, I some people go into mid midwifery because they've had experience where well I, I didn't get choices and I didn't have good care and I want to give that good care I I always aspire to be the midwife and the team of midwives that looked after me because I felt like I did get choice but now I'm there being a midwife I see that it's not quite like that anymore and we're 30 years down the line aren't we yeah yeah, I agree. So, do, do you think women do have choice now? Do you, do you think it's common for women to have true choice, informed Well, I, I honor, I'll be honest. I feel like the women that I look after, I do tell them that and I do give them 
tell them the options and say how it is. And I say, you know, if you go in, this is what the doctor will probably say, you know, say when you're getting past your due date or over your due date. And, and this is what they'll offer, but you don't have to. And this, it can be this or that or the other. And they're like, they do go in armed, whether or not they feel empowered enough to be able to, because it's the words that doctors and stuff put to them and all the midwives, I suppose, isn't it? It's how you put something to somebody. So I, I like to think my women have choice, but am I just being biased and thinking I'm a great midwife? Because because I'm not, I'm not like that. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. Well, of course, you're going to do your best because you're so passionate about this. And with every person that you see, I'm sure you are giving them the best care that you possibly can. And damn right so you should and, and it sounds like you're an incredible midwife I'd like to know what you think about midwifery in general and do you think that women have enough information to make an informed decision no they probably don't do the and that's the thing within why the, it's the why? It's, well it's the constraints I suppose isn't it is is that if you've got 15 20 minutes for an appointment have we really got enough time to explain it you know in, and that's why I love hypnobirthing I feel like I teach hypnobirthing in the NHS but that is only a fraction of the women at our choice get to get on the course because the places are that limited so you know there's only a handful of women and the other women are having like antenatal classes or they choose to go private and I think that's why I started doing it privately because I feel like every single woman or birthing person should do hypnobirthing. Have you ever considered becoming an independent midwife? I mean, wow. <laughs> we need yeah, to. Yeah, well. It'd just be, I mean, so you, would you ever consider being an independent midwife? Would you want to stay with the NHS or what What were your thoughts on that? I think independent, being an independent midwife, yeah, I, I would love that because that's right up my street and the, the the way that I practice really and because there's continuity of care which it sounds like it's right up your street and it, I mean not not that it's even an option at the moment for intrapartum care because as you know there's no insurance for intrapartum yeah. care but I mean it'd be you sound so passionate about informed consent and hypnobirthing and stuff and mm -hmm. if someone had you through their entire pregnancy and birth wow what I know, I know. yeah I would I, I would I mean, we did the model of um in the NHS we've done a model of continuity of care so we did caseloading and we had I think it was 30 women um on our on our caseload and the home birth rate was like less than two percent and it went up to around about eight percent because those the people that were being looked at you know we we booked the pregnant person from we booked them and we looked after them all the way through for different reasons we covered like youngster you know younger um people and people with mental health um all different so they weren't all um, low risk women some were high risk and whatever but by the end or during the pregnancy they'd be like oh right okay so you're on call oh well there's a good chance that you'll come out and that's why the home birth rate. so it does work we know it works doesn't it um, yeah. continuity of care is so so important but sadly yeah. not put into practice by many trusts um due to you know several reasons but i think you know that's where independent midwives come in and doulas um yeah but it's, it's such a shame what i want to talk to you quickly if if you can about uh the word risk so um a lot of women go through the system 
and they're told they're high risk and they're not allowed and I, I hate that word they're not allowed to have home birth they're not allowed to you know say no to an induction or or whatever that word really bothers me because the word risk it's it's coming from guidelines and I think it'd be more appropriate for the, the care providers to look at the woman and the individual and go well this is what the guidelines suggest the risks are but let's look at you let's take an older mother for example a woman over 35 so studies suggest that women over 35 have more complications now of course we have to bear in mind that women over 35 are more likely to have health problems anyway just because they're aging but when you get a 42 year old woman yoga instructor who is a very you know a, a big health freak and they're very very fit and they're pregnant and they're being advised to go into hospital or to be booked mm -hmm. in for a cesarean section when the guidelines suggest that they should but why why are health providers not going well let's look at you you seem yeah. very healthy and it's yeah. not helpful it's not helpful for women to to go oh well i fit into this pigeonhole so well, you do, it, it's that's not individualized care is it no, it's and not why is this happening <laughs> I know, it, I know, it, it, I know, because you just think, well, so if you add a, add a baby, at this thing about the placenta doesn't function as well after that due date, that's what they say, so that's why they offer an induction, so you've got a 40 year old, when she gets to 40 weeks, an induction's offered because of this, what they're saying about the placenta, but if she was 39, it's, it's, uh, the, the guidelines are 39, sorry, under 40, so if she's 39 when she's booked, but 40 when she gives pregnant, get when she gives birth, then it's okay. But if she was a couple of weeks later and was, does that make sense? She could have been born. But what makes less sense is the fact that they say oh, after 40 weeks, the placenta doesn't function as well as it, it did. But what about looking into the research of does it need to function at the rate it did before 40 weeks? Because... Is that the natural progression of placenta? Oh, it's over 40 weeks now, the body's not needing to put as much. I don't know, we don't know, that's the problem. That's right. And yeah. what women have we studied? Have we took a, a load of 40 year olds? But, but did we take healthy 40 year olds? Like you said, they haven't got anything underlying. It's because it's not individualized, it's too, and my favorite saying is, one size doesn't fit all, does it? No, no, of course not. It absolutely doesn't. I have women that come to me and say, oh, I." they're saying I can't have a home birth because I had a PPH in my last birth. I'm like, yeah, but why did you have a PPH? Did it come from your uterus? Did it come from an episiotomy or a tear? And also what were the circumstances around the PPH? Because as you know, you know, just as you need oxytocin during labor, you need it in the third stage as well. And yeah. as soon as oxytocin stops flowing, all sorts of problems can occur. That's so this should be very um, integral in um in antenatal care like as in teaching Absolutely. them about but like you said midwives have 20 minutes how can you yeah. explain all this birth physiology mm -hmm. um it's it's very difficult to do so i mean you are doing a fabulous job and it sounds like you're so passionate about this and every woman that will see you will be getting as much from you as they can mm -hmm. what do you think the answer is if anything within the nhs how how to give women true informed consent if they don't have an independent midwife, if they don't, you know, hire a doula and get all this information, if they don't know that they can go to AIMS and birthrights, how, how do you implement this within the NHS? What's the answer, if any? 
Oh God, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, more more time, isn't it? Continuity, probably, isn't it? But there's a lot of midwives who don't want to do continuity because of the impact of the way that we're needing to work. The, where I work, we're just about to only it got held up because of the pandemic. We are going to the continuity of care model, and I'll be honest, we are all a little bit like. Because when I did continuity in the hospital, when the hospital is short, then midwives would be called in. So midwives are scared of that as well, because you do have to have a work-life balance as well, don't you? But I do think it is, it's continuity, because I find, I know that our rate of transferring, going back to the home base, when we had a primary um so for those that are listening, so someone having their, having their first baby, having a home birth, nationally, we know the transfer in rate is around 40 odd percent, isn't it? It's about 45 percent. Well, ours was lower, it was like something like 13 percent or something like that. And it was it's 13 percent ish now. And it was even lower when we did caseload. So what does that tell you? That 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 tells me it's that because a lot. A lot. <laughs> and absolutely and isn't going isn't having like recently I went out to a primate who was having a home birth and she'd had three other occasions in early labor different midwives going out and in the end for whatever reason she did have to go in but I knew that that's what would happen because she just seeing that same face reassuring and going yeah I believe what you're saying because you've said it to me over and over you know and if, if a different midwife's going out all the time they might be saying just a little something different or a word that is a little bit not as positive well, as just their energy just their presence I mean there, there are midwives that attend births that maybe don't don't agree with the birth that they're attending and that energy can just change the, the path of the birth completely. And it's interesting you mentioned about the transfer rate with primates. So I was speaking with a colleague the other day and I think a big part of it is a psychological thing for women who are indoctrinated with all these traumatic stories. They assume that birth is going to be traumatic. Now I see mums primates that are, are not listening to that. They're listening to nothing but good stories. Is it maybe like a self-fulfilling prophecy that they expect labour to be bad so it is and yeah, it absolutely. does go for a long time and if you don't feel comfortable you've got different people walking in and out your house you're like who are you and what, what why are you touching me and i'm just going to examine you now no no can i examine you now and do you even want one you know th th there's so many um factors that contribute to uh, a labour dystocia um you know there's so many things that need to be explored and i think what you said care continuity that is integral and like you said the transfer rate was so much lower and i i mean I, with my um last daughter i didn't use the nhs at the end but when they were involved um they were I, I could feel they weren't supporting my decision i thought i don't want you at my birth because your very presence here is going to affect me yeah. and that's what i made a decision just to disengage but that was my personal choice but i can see and it happens all the time like if women call out their midwives too early i even say to my clients who i do for you don't even have to call me early if you don't want to because my presence might affect your progress yeah. it's yeah. A, i would say who would you feel happy watching you go for a poo <laughs> it's a very personal thing you know i think the the less people there the better well, it's an intimate affair, isn't it? It was an intimate affair 
making your baby usually, isn't it? So it's a, it's about setting the scene, isn't it? And that's what we teach in hip debate. And I think that makes a big difference. Um, you should show um, a, a short film called Push. Have you seen it? Um, as a, a lady, a, a lady I know called Julia. In fact, I'm interviewing her in a couple of weeks. She made yeah. the most incredible. Um, no, I haven't seen satire. it. So it's it's a, a a wonderful video of two two people trying to have sex in a nice um, dim litted. Oh, I have. Home. I've just seen it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so that is a perfect analogy, right? So I'm going to show that at my next tip of the day. Oh, I'm delighted. I'm, I'll tell her because I'm interviewing her soon. She's wonderful. Yeah. She's, um, she's just finishing midwifery and she's been a doula before that. Um, really? Yeah, yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, we don't, we don't see much, many women were where I work in the area that I work having doulas. And I think it's amazing, doesn't it? It does make a big difference, doesn't it? What, why do you think that is? That's incredible. I don't know. I don't, I, honestly, I, I, I don't know. know what doulas are. Is that is that a? They do because I know an actual doula that is in the local area. I don't think she's a doula anymore. And I have she's come into the hospital, and I've worked with her, but I've only ever seen her coming in. I think twice. Once she's worked with me, and once with someone else. But all of the women that I've cared for, and at any one time, I have a hundred women on my caseload, and I have not come across any of them having doulas. Wow. Mm -hmm. I think I think that um, in some well a lot a lot of people have this stigma attached to it that they're expensive which they obviously can be as independent midwives but I don't think many people realise that one if you ask an independent midwife or a doula they will do work pro bono depending on your circumstances and two yeah. there are excess funds so doula UK have an access fund for people that wouldn't otherwise be able to afford a doula if they get referred to by um, a medical professional, Doula UK will pay for someone to have really? her. And also, um, I, I can speak for myself and a few, few of my colleagues, we offer payment plans, you know, that yeah. it's very accessible. So maybe yeah. a lot of people don't realise that, or it's just, it could be, um, I don't know, just, I really don't know the answer to that, to be honest. I, think no, I, don't, I don't know the answer. I mean, I mean I'm sure we are. It could be a like, cultural in, thing. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But I, I do think... It, it is, it does make a difference, doesn't it? But I feel like I just wish everybody who's having a baby could do hypnobirthing and, and just even, I mean, even the, I do relaxation classes, so I do like a four week session of like 45 minutes and I, I, I can't do the relaxation class without bringing hypnobirthing into it. I can't, and I'm a bit like, oh, am I telling them too much, but not enough? I, I just like, yeah. I want, it to get out to everybody because I just and the feedback that I get and I do put it on my Instagram about um, on my social media about the experiences that women have had and I think oh I just wish for every single person who's having a baby to be able to experience that. Why do you think hypnobirth has uh, such a strong effect on birth? What what is it about uh, our physiology that responds to hypnobirthing so well? Well, it's just it's understanding it's the the, the understanding what's happening to the body so when it happens it doesn't come as a shock and allows like them to prepare for the feelings of it and allowing that cocktail of hormones isn't it really just to 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 work for them mm. um 
and even like that transfer into hospital we see so many women come in who've been doing really well at home and come in and all of a sudden it's everything stopped and and I always that's a big thing I talk about is that transfer setting yourself up at home and keeping yourself in that bubble for the transfer to keep them hormones going but so difficult to do. I, I mean, the, the thought of getting in a car when I was in labour, I would have been like, <laughs> insane. I know. no one's getting me in a car. But I remember thinking to myself, I didn't I didn't actively do any hypnobirthing. Um, suppose I took the more hippie approach of like, we've been doing this for eons and yeah. my body will just do what it's going to do. And because I've over the, my 12 years as a doula, I've seen beautiful birth after beautiful birth without all the dramatic screaming and shouting. And it's doesn't have to be painful and I and I I experienced that three hours of it was hard work it wasn't excruciating and I remember thinking to myself about my dog looking at animals and going they're not up here all the time you know they they just they are they're just present and I think the only time I had pain was when I was in transition but that didn't last long and before I knew it, I was pushing well involuntary yeah. pushing um but I was just present I, I was in the moment I wasn't in the um the neocortex you know that part of my brain where I was overthinking everything I just was I was being a human being literally I was just a being yeah. and I found I, I suppose that is the essence of um hypnobirthing is just to be present in a meditative state and calm yeah. and, and yeah. surrendering and not giving your birth to anyone That's else true. And understanding that it's powerful somebody sent me a message the other day who'd done hypnobirthing and well she sent me a big email like is saying a birth experience but uh, one little thing I pulled out of it what she said was it wasn't the serene um, I can't remember it's on my Instagram I saw it I, saw it, I think yeah. yeah but it was animalistic and mm. you know and it, and it is isn't it it's really yeah, powerful it it's, it's about not being scared like you said and surrendering your body and allowing it to to happen basically well, in my experience fear is the number one cause of things going wrong um yeah. anything i mean i mean obviously you've got the issues of, of poverty that that's a big factor of why things go wrong and why you become high risk but fear if you release adrenaline you can say goodbye to your oxytocin yeah, absolutely and um then the fear will come and then you've got the me unnecessary medical intervention because of the fear or you know it's it's a swings and roundabouts with that one isn't it I, I love I where I work also I do I do home birth meetings so they they go really well but for the last year obviously because of the pandemic we haven't been able to we haven't done any virtually um and time constraints or whatever but up to, until then I've done these home birth meetings where we all just sit um me and one other midwife and then everybody comes in couples come in and I invite a couple of people who have had home births and they come and tell their story and the knock-on effect of it it's amazing like just hearing another human being that's experienced it even rather than us saying it and even the ones it tends to be the primates who are a little bit if they want a home birth they're always a little bit on the fence and then the people around them will put them off and tip them over to say no I'm not gonna I'll have a hospital birth this time and I'll go for the home birth next time it's like no do it the other way around first because if you don't get that birth you want it's going to affect that yeah. second birth and you don't realize very good point Lisa very good point Actually, plan if you're even just 75 percent or you're 50 50 plan a home birth because you can easily change a home birth into a hospital birth, but you can't turn it the other way around. And you know, well, when you can't do, <laughs> yeah. some people do. Yeah. 
yeah you can't you ideally you can't you know don't do that kind of thing and that's what a lot of people do and then they find that with the support then they're fine to stay at home yeah but i love home birth it's i feel really passionate about it and, and so many women don't even know that it's an option like do they yeah i think they see it as almost medieval and um hippie yeah i was absolutely sick of hearing the following words oh you're brave no i'd brave to go into hospital mm -hmm. <laughs> i'm not yeah. brave to, to insinuate someone is brave it it means that you think you're doing something dangerous but doing it anyway that's brave i didn't think i was doing anything dangerous i knew i wasn't doing anything dangerous i tell people who get any negativity well i say you're having a home base don't tell anyone and no one I can always say that to my clients. Don't tell people your your plans because they will just litter you with their negative energy and fear and doubt will start to creep in and you don't want I that. had a girl who was having a first baby one this one time and she told her mum and her mum was like really and every time she came to an auntie, every time I seen her on antenatal appointment, she said, Oh, my mum was just harping on and harping on and Anyway, I recommended a book for her to read and she gave the book to her mum and her mum was a little bit in, in the end, she said to her mum, I've changed my mind, I'm going in hospital. And she didn't, she had a gorgeous home there and then phoned her mum and said, I've had the baby. And her mum was like, oh, I can't wait to come and see you. She said, come round, I'm in here, I'm in the house. Ah! <laughs> but that, that, I always say to people, don't tell anybody what your plans are. You just do what you want to do. Yeah, that's, that's a brilliant bit of advice. Because yeah. you don't want people to put their two pennies worth in and yeah. I mean, just surround yourself with positive birth stories. I mean, this is what we're doing on, on our channel. We've got mums on here um, with, that we're interviewing. They're just telling their positive stories. We want everyone's stories, obviously, but the positive stories are there for women to watch. And with um, birth professionals such as yourself and um, obstetricians that are very pro-natural. I've interviewed an obstetrician that had a home birth. Um, yeah. Yeah, I know. Can you believe it? <laughs> yeah. So you know, there's so much here. There's so much content, and we have to to remind people that there's none of what we're talking about. This is not medical advice. You know, we're not saying you should do this, that, and the other. Mm -hmm. If you look below in the the um the description, there are links to birth rights, to aims, birth practice, and politics, and there will be a plethora of information there in order for you to have a little sift through, make an informed decision, and then maybe go to your care provider and ask them a few questions with whatever you found. So, you know, this is just a, a dialogue for people to see and get a, another option out there just to float mm -hmm. some ideas. Yeah, it's good to hear positive stories. I say that to people, so many people, want to share the birth story and the majority of the time it's because it's been a negative experience and that is really unfortunate but i say if i had had an operation say i'd had something wrong with my kidney or something i'd had an operation but got really poorly after it and virtually thought i was going to die if my friends came to me and said she was having the same operation would i say to her oh my god i thought i was going to die and you wouldn't would you no you know, but people who have had a positive experience are often not willing to share it because they feel guilty. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that as well. They feel lucky. Yeah, where people have gone back to like reunions on classes and heard everybody else's story and thought, oh, I, I best not say anything. Yeah, yeah. I'm a bit like, mm. Oh, another thing I really urge women to look into and to even consider is 
when they've come back with horror stories from their obstetrician, oh my God, they, I mean, I, I had a client once and the obstetrician said, oh, you've got to have a C-section because you're too short. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, what the shit, little ponies give birth to, shit, little ponies, what's <laughs> like? I mean, I, I had an obstetrician say to me when I was pregnant, oh, I hear that you're refusing vaginal examinations. I went, yes, that's right. And they said, why? And I said, well, mainly because my cervix isn't a crystal ball. Um, and they went, well, how will we know you're in second stage labor if you refuse a VE? I went, oh my God, get off the phone. Like, mm. I, I couldn't believe it. So my point is doctors, obstetricians are trained for when things go wrong. They do not yeah. see natural birth and normal birth. So don't be discouraged if they, if they said, oh, you know, you're high risk and so we, we want to do X, Y, and Z. You are able to go and do as much research as you want to make an informed decision. Yeah. And then they don't see home births. They don't, they see women in the lithotomy position, which is mm -hmm. on your back, legs, legs up. They, that's what they see and they mm -hmm. cut and that's their job. They, they intervene because things can sometimes go wrong, but they can't advise on normal birth because they don't experience it. So I definitely advise women to go. I, and I watched a, a, a Sheena Byram doing a live the other night and she said, she says to people now when she talks, she's obviously a midwife mm. but, and is, is, is of a lot of experience. And she said, she says to people now, what she, she thinks back to in the seventies when every woman that walked through the door, every primate, got a, an episiotomy um, regardless um, and she says to the students now what and she hates the fact that she did do that um, she said, I say to the students now so what is it what what you're practicing now or what practice you're seeing are you gonna hate in 30 years and I feel like it's induction I feel like induction is just it's off the scale it really is I don't think people realise the risks and one they think, oh, I'm going to be interested to have the baby. Well, do you know how many days it can go on for sometimes? Or you have to really think, is it that necessary? Because they'll tell you to come in on Friday and they won't do anything till the Monday sometimes because they're busy. So you have to understand, is it actually that critical if they're letting you go on for another couple of days? Yeah. And um, I was talking to Beverly Beach and she said she, when she was lecturing um, some midwives, she asked them to put their hands up who who can remember thinking back to the last baby they were present at for the delivery raise your hands if you saw a normal birth and all the hands go up mm. and then she goes now put down your hands if there was an epidural now put mm. down your hands if there was syntocinin put down your hands if there was a ctg and eventually there was just a couple and she went mm. you've seen normal birth not everyone else that put their hands up a vaginal birth is not natural normal birth it's just a vaginal birth so all this intervention, the CTG, you know, the, the episiotomies, um, the Vontu support, that that's not normal birth. That's a medicalized birth. And she was trying to make the student midwives understand that, well, where, where have we gone here with midwifery, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. And it concerns me that so many midwives are now missing the beautiful and vital experience of the art of vaginal breech birth. Because yeah. when you go from being diagnosed breech you don't see the midwives anymore. You go straight from midwifery to obstetrics. And you don't even go, well, hang on, unless you really know your stuff. Yeah. You don't well, go we're trained, we're trained at that. It's only going to be an emergency situation if it's breached, isn't it? Because it's gone that that has ever been a normal position for a baby to be born we did we did a, an update just recently with one of the consultants and so we do all the obstetric emergencies and the doll 
was was like lying on the on the surface and it was right it's okay so there's a room full of midwives he said okay we'll have the community midwives first because i'm a community midwife so of course if i'm going to see a breach it would be at home and when we went in when we i went over i said, can i just stop you right here just stop you for now he said well what's the matter and i said well she he said yeah you're at home okay how do you deal with it went, well she wouldn't be lying on the back and she was just, you know, that's exactly how they are in the hospital, isn't it? Well, this is why they started doing C-sections for breach in the first place. And then you obviously you know about the Hannah study, but they revoked it because what they realised was that the danger in a vaginal breach was actually being done by the consultants, not the midwives, because the consultants were were getting too hands on and they were causing problems whether a, a midwife delivering a breech baby is very hands off and you know you know what to look out for you know to look for cleavage you know when the baby's coming up breech and you know you know there's something wrong with the shoulders you can't see cleavage all, all these sort of things you know midwives were experiencing it and all of a sudden that's just been taken away yeah that's such a shame because breech is a variation of normal and i do wonder if it's going to become more normal if that makes sense yeah. because of the lockdown i reckon i have um a hypothesis that you will see so many more breach births because people have not been active i wonder really yeah mm -hmm. because they say that people who have breach it's not because you know it is a normal it's a variation of normal but you see it a lot more with women that sit at a desk or mm. you know that, that that's a, a theory mm. um i'm sure there must be someone out doing a, a a study somewhere but yeah no, you see more more breech births have you never seen anything of sean walkers yes yes absolutely yeah, yeah. so i've seen it at a study day one time but i i said that all thing the other day on our training what about getting here to the trust and doing some training you know and so so that's where we're moving towards but i don't know whether that'll happen mm. it'd be nice because i it's, it's so sad to hear women come to me with trauma and say, oh, I had, I had to have a, a C-section because the baby was breached. I'm like, oh, no, you didn't. But then, you know, me, it's all well and good me saying that. So, yes, you can still have a vaginal birth, but then you've got to go, do you have any midwives, what, midwives on staff that are experiencing this? And the answer is usually no. And you don't, and they'll say, well, you can come in and have a vaginal birth, but it has to be in the obstetric unit. Then you're putting yourself in more danger yeah. according to statistics so it's almost like we've lost the ability to mm -hmm. do it so now we think women have lost the ability to birth a breech baby well it? yeah that that can't be confused though can it you can't confuse your birth your body's Absolutely. ability to, to reach i put that post up the other day it was wonderful it was from badass mother bertha don't confuse your care provider's ability to deliver a breech yeah yeah it was really good that's but, exactly what so, it is isn't it yeah, I, my baby was breech and um, I said to the hospital, do you have any midwife's experience in breach? And they went, no. I went, okay, well, can you please engage an independent midwife of my choice? No. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, but I'm, I'm fortunate. I'm in a very informed position. But what are women's options if they go, hang on, I, I don't want to do this. There's no intrapartum insurance for independent midwives. So it's it's not a choice. And when people end up free birthing, I don't, there's nothing wrong with free birthing, in my opinion, if you are confident and trusting in your body and you're doing it because you want for the empowerment. If you are free birthing because you feel pushed into a corner, that's not choice, that's coercion. Yeah. Yeah. That it does make me feel sad, but but that I think is just because I think, oh, if you met me, 
you wouldn't want a free birth. <laughs> just, but that's just me, isn't it? But as you say, if it's a choice of a woman, then mm. it's absolutely her choice, and we have to respect. And I respect that. Yeah. But, you know, but, but there are plenty of midwives who I speak to just like you. And I think to myself, if women do know these midwives, they wouldn't want a, a free birth. But unfortunately, I see free birth after free birth, which I, I don't want to say unfortunately, because they, they're usually amazing. But yeah. I had one recently um, where I was a BBA to it. I didn't even get to the birth on time. And I noticed that the, the lady had a second degree tear. And I said, you should go and get sutured if, if that's what you want to do. Um, she went in and the, the reason she did go for a, a, an unassisted birth was because her first experience was so awful and I hesitate to say the word care but her care was so appalling um so that's where she went down that road anyway she went into the hospital to be sutured and they said to her oh you going free birth and come to us to clear up the mess who do you think you are who told you you were allowed to have a free birth and I think <laughs> This is why we're in this state. Judgmental. Judgmental. Mm. Well, why, why don't you ask that poor woman what she's gone mm. through? Instead of judging her, and no, mm. it's not illegal, and no, no, no one has told her to do it. It's, made, it's, it's her decision. That there's always put the blame. There has to be blame. Mm. And I hate that. But if people were more fortunate to come across people like yourself <laughs> and lots of other of my colleagues, that would be, mm. it'd be in a better better position in the maternity system mm. but sadly it's clearly not the fact otherwise we wouldn't have these statistics would we no no and uh, the, the answer from where i'm standing is education and that is why i've invited you here today and many before you to, to have an open dialogue about this so women will have a choice to you know maybe stumble across our youtube channel and go oh right i didn't know that and let's look into mm. more things and that's why i've released this song so we can get people talking from pop culture rather than just screaming into an echo chamber <laughs> and preaching. I think this is a revolution, hey? Because otherwise we're, we're just going to end up obstetric midwives, aren't we? We'll just lose yes. midwives and it'll be like it is in America. Oh, God. Mm. I shudder I to think. Here's hoping, huh? Here's hoping. Mm. And, um, this is all we've got time for today, Lisa, but thank you so much for joining us. It's been amazing. And I, I, um, anyone listening, um, if you go to iTunes, we're on iTunes for the, the podcast and on Spotify too, and also here on YouTube. Thank you for joining in um, and we shall see you on the next one. Thank you very much. Thank you.